0: Alright everybody, welcome into the Westside Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Dakota Esri. If you your is first time listening to the show, welcome to the show. This uh, podcast is free and available on all platforms. Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Index, along with many more. We have our usual section this week uh, around the world, Mariners. I got a little bit of a Seahawks update for you guys. I have my mid-season awards for the Seattle Mariners. It's going to be a little bit of a longer show today. Uh, it's going to be my last show for the week. Uh, I've been doing a couple, two, three this week, trying to get back in into the flow. We are post the All-Star break, the Home Run Derby, all that good jazz. And with that being said, let's just hop straight into it. Tom Brady for Around the World starts off the section today, topping Pat Mahomes in Madden ratings. I know some of you guys are big Madden lovers. Some of you guys really could give, you know, a who, you know what, less. Anyways... I uh, just kind of want to give the info out for this. Tom Brady tops Pat Mahomes for the first time in three years in QB Madden rating at 97. Top three goes Brady 97, Rodgers 96, Pat Mahomes 95. It's kind of uh, not so much a shocker. I think they're just kind of giving the last love to Tom Brady knowing this will probably be his last year in Major League Football or National Football League, not Major League Football. Obviously, I got baseball on my mind. Kyler Murray signs a five-year $230.5 million extension with the Arizona Cardinals. $160 million of that is guaranteed. This contract is a bit shocking, surprising to say the least. The Cardinals have not exactly been the most forthcoming franchise with their love to Kyler Murray saying that he needed to quote grow up a bit and after he did his usual ig removal of all cardinals things like devo samuel did and terry mclaurin because they want their deals the cardinals folded they realized that getting a generational or just even a franchise quarterback is a dime a dozen these days bit the bullet paid him his money and now that contract for Russell wilson gets even more expensive for the denver broncos have fun bronco country haha <laughs> let's ride I just saw the shirts that came out from uh, our sister station, 104.3 The Fam in Denver, and it's just, I, I can't even explain to you how disgusting this, you know, Broncos country, Let's Ride, like, you've got to be kidding me, bro, like, come on, Russ, you couldn't think of anything more original I think that was, like, an old slogan back in, like, the John Elway days or something. Who who knows? I'm not a big Broncos fan. I used to be, but that was a long time ago when Kyle Orton was quarterback, and they had young, you know, Brandon Marshall. That's a long time ago. Anyways, Kyler Murray signs his deal. Have fun, uh, Denver, for, for, for paying Russell. Uh, interesting fun fact. Uh, Cleveland Browns brought in A.J. McCarron and Josh Rosen on tryouts yesterday. They ended up signing Josh Rosen to a one-year deal. Just probably a backup for uh, Brissett as their main quarterback due to the fact that obviously Deshaun Watson is going to get suspended at some point this season. I anticipate, and everything I'm kind of hearing, this is a bit, not a bit, this is completely disappointing and the ball is being dropped by the NFL, is that rumor has that Deshaun Watson is bracing for an eight game, uh, what's the rumor for, eight game suspension from the NFL. Eight games is not enough. You know, I don't normally get into the, you know, how I personally feel about things, but considering that most of everybody knows what's been going on with Watson and all of his off-field transgressions, for lack of a term, the general nature of his incidents and his problems should be more than enough for the NFL to say, you know, we're going to put you on the indefinite list just like they did Adrian Peterson, Ray Rice. We're going to do our research and not just say, oh, Cleveland, you deserve to have a good quarterback. And I know all you Browns fans, there's a couple of them who listen to this podcast. and I appreciate you listening, but you know how I feel. And I'm pretty sure you'll, you'll agree with me when I say that these were disgusting, heinous natures of uh, the incidents and his actions were gross. I'm not going to get into it. That's not a kid-friendly family-friendly conversation it's not what i do here but overall be curious to see if this actual eight games is correct i hope it's longer but i guess we'll see that when it comes to fruition down the line noah lyles uh pardon if i butcher that name okay this is a very cool update yesterday he set a new american record he's a runner for for usa in the 200 meter dash at 19.31 seconds just, I think it was interesting since a world record. Those don't happen every single day, so I want to give them a little love, a little shout-out. And then we're going to finish up around the world uh, today's podcast for Georgia football head coach Kirby Smirk has agreed to a 10-year, $112.5 million extension with the University of Georgia. Just locking and just putting his place, for lack of a term, into, into the fold, establishing his dominance, we all know how great Georgia's been. They've been pumping out players for years now. They have true competition. Alabama does with Georgia. This is just good. This is good for overall football. I I've a long time been a long time Alabama fan, but unfortunately, you know, Nick Saban has kind of rubbed me raw. I like what Georgia does. They're kind of like a blue collar team, and I like blue collar, like you know, unsung heroes. And they're just a phenomenal football program. So glad to see you with that. I will be covering a little bit more with college football when we get towards football season. UW, Wazoo, Oregon, Pac-12. The only thing I have for an update on Pac-12 goes, unfortunately, is that the talks between the Pac-12 and the Big 12 have stopped as far as conferences aligning or them taking more schools along with UW, uh, Oregon, the big boys, not so much, unfortunately, the Wazoo, the Oregon State, Stanford would be in the same conversation with the UW, obviously, but unfortunately, I don't have any more Information on that at this current time, I will bring that to you guys when I have it. And we have a lot of Mariners because obviously it's been the all-star break for the Mariners. After a well-needed break, the Mariners start a three-game series versus the Houston Astros tonight. Pitching matchup will be Marco Gonzalez versus Jose Urquidy. It is sold out tonight. Tomorrow is over 41,000 already sold. That means we have 5,000 less tickets to sell out for back-to-back games. Sunday is about 34,000. All this information is tweeted via Ryan Divish of the Seattle Times, who covers, who covers the Seattle Mariners. Does a fantastic job. I got a couple things uh, from Jerry's sit-down on his weekly show, uh, weekly segment excuse me, with Mike Salk via the Seattle Sports Station. Jerry said on his yesterday show that their focus during the trade deadline will be a top of the rotation and a back of the rotation piece due to them trying not to overly use Kirby. Also, Logan Gilbert has the second most uh, outings in Major League Baseball besides for Sandy Alcantara of the Miami Marlins with outings topping over 100 pitches. He's been a workhorse for us. Obviously, he has 10, 10 plus wins. He's... People forget, and I do too. This is only his second year in Major League Baseball. The last thing you want to do is overwork this kid. He is such a pivotal piece for the future. Obviously, I personally believe that George Kirby means more to this franchise than Logan Gilbert due to overall ability and upside. That's just my, my own personal opinion. But you can't overuse these kids. I cannot state it enough. Pitching is paramount. For this second half of the season, the pitching has really carried us pretty much for the last two months. It's been absolutely phenomenal pitching. So Jerry's gonna go out, he's gonna be aggressive. Unfortunately, that means they're probably gonna there's a saying you gotta pay a dollar and ten cents or a dollar and twenty cents for a dollar's worth of value. Right now, when you're at the trade deadline, that's kind of what you have to do, especially for the position the team has put Jerry DePoto in, which is a very positive one in general. Kyle Lewis is on track to be back with the Major League roster tonight. Jerry said that yesterday on the show. The main goal for him in his rehab was that he had to play outfield for a couple of days, or one day at least at minimum, and then play DH the exact following day. Had to do it. That was a requirement. Due to the fact they traded for Carlos Santana, they have a little bit more of DH depth. They need outfield help right now. I would imagine with this coming up, unfortunately, means that Justin Upton will be DFA'd. No, he didn't do much offensively. He was batting like 150 something overall for our team. Good locker room guy, just good dude overall. Got a lot of salty veteran ability. I just hope and pray he doesn't go to the Yankees like Matt Carpenter and start smacking home runs. But I don't see the Yankees needing that right now. But I mean, overall, Kyle Lewis is such a phenomenal bat. Good dude, great locker room guy. He's young. He'll learn from Santana. Um, speaking of people who learn from, Mitch Haniger thankfully is back officially on his rehab start. He's gonna play three games with the Everett Aqua Sox this weekend. A lot of people on Twitter were uh, commenting, or people on Bleacher Report also were saying, "Well, why is Mitch Haniger only gonna play three games? Doesn't he have to play more than three games? Are they gonna rush him up? Is he that ready to go? Like, why didn't we see Mitch earlier?" Well, the reason why they're only playing him three games with the Aqua Sox is due to the fact that the ever Aqua Sox are traveling after that three-game series out of town. They want to keep Mitch Hanninger in the rural area of Seattle as long as they can in case he is able to get back a little bit sooner. Jerry said it'd probably be two to three weeks. Knowing Mitch, i probably lean towards two versus three just because he's, he's a warrior. He's a savage. He is, as I call him, the patron saint of dingers. I know it's a funny nickname, but, I mean, the guy has been an absolute catalyst for this franchise for years, ever since the trade from the Arizona Diamondbacks for Cattell Marte and Taiwan Walker. So, with that being said about Kyle Lewis and Mitch Hanniger, I'm going to go and roll into my midseason awards. A lot of you guys have been really excited for this. I got a couple things, a couple funny things, a little bit of a... Not a sour note; it's kind of a down note, but I'm just trying to be honest. I'm being accurate. Starting out with my MVP, got to go Ty France. Obviously consistent bat. Yes, the batting average has dropped a little bit, but his attitude overall, locker room presence, the way he you know gets along, and just does he just does his daily thing. He's not flashy, and I compare him to Edgar Martinez. A lot of people say, "Well, Edgar Martinez was the greatest DH of all time." Yeah, he is. But he was a great bat. He's a great locker room guy. He's just one of those glue dudes that you got to have in your lineup if you want to be a perennial playoff contending team. So I got to give love to Ty France. Offensive uh, surprise, you could say. Eugenio Suarez. Obviously, good vibes only. I love it. I got a coffee cup now. Good vibes only. Great locker room guy. Uh, Clubhouse overall. He's just hitting the ball at the clip that Jerry. Cross his fingers, his toes, dot his eyes, cross his T's, and did everything he could. Rub the lucky Buddha's tummy to get Eugenio Suarez's good bat back. Thankfully, he's hitting over 240, which is a huge upswing from last season considering he was hitting not even 200 for the Reds last year, but they also had him playing all over the place. And I think they kind of just messed with his overall vibes and overall not to be, you know, keep on the good vibes only. This guy literally lives on the good vibes. And clearly, him being in Seattle has been a well-needed change of scenery. He's playing quite well. And I just love the overall fit for the Mariners. And he's just teaching our younger guys, Toro, Sam Haggerty, Dylan Moore, all those guys. He's learning how to be a consistent Major League player. And those are the kind of guys you need, especially for building an upcoming franchise for years to come. Rising Star, this was a little bit tough. I was kind of torn between what I wanted to do on this. I had a couple guys, and obviously, at first I was going to go Eric Swanson just because he's been so dang consistent overall in general. But I had to go Jesse Winker because obviously, after the brawl in LA, and I have covered thoroughly and extensively on that brawl and how I felt about that, he really something clicked. I don't know what it was, but something clicked with Jesse Winker. Last thirty games, this is roughly we played about thirty games after the brawl, give or take. I think we played about thirty-four games. Two seventy-five average, twenty-eight strikeouts to twenty walks, twenty-eight hits. So he's averaging a hit to a strikeout, which is good. His walks are still on par. Five home runs, fourteen RBIs. So he's con- whatever he's done, and after his uh, six-game. Layoff, you could call it. I don't like the term suspension because I don't see why he was suspended for six games. But you can check that out in a previous podcast. That overall, Jesse Winker has really is refining his footing. You could say he's getting comfortable in his shoes in Seattle. You know, he quoted and named the Electric Factory for T-Mobile. The guy is a catalyst. He's turning into a catalyst. He's the middle of the lineup bat, and especially with Kyle Lewis returning. He is even, he's he's more of a consistent threat offensively and with power than he was beforehand because now not all of the attention and uh, pressure is on his shoulders. You have other guys who can help carry the load with him. Best dressed. (laughs) A lot of people are going to like this, and this is probably pretty simple. Robbie Ray, the tight pants, the grunting, the perfect 5 o'clock shadow, cowboy persona, and most of all... He's been simply phenomenal the last month plus of baseball. He has emerged as the ace of our rotation of our staff. He's just, you could see that something's clicked. I don't know what it is with this team, but something just overall is just going the right direction and it's it's well needed. It's what we paid him for. It's why we brought him in as the reigning defending Cy Young winner to bring some swagger to this rotation and to this franchise and it's desperately needed because now he's striking out 10 guys a game that two teams playing to both sides of the plate, and Robbie Ray is dominating and dealing, and it's well-needed and well-deserved because he's putting a lot of work, and he did some things that most, most pitchers aren't willing to do, especially guys who are established, which is actually change up the pitch mix in the middle of a season. Takes a lot of gusto, to say the least. Biggest disappointment, Adam Frazier. Had a long, hard struggle for the first three quarters of the first half of the season. Last 15 games, though, hitting 315. Be interesting to see if Jerry uh, goes for an addition or an upgrade at second base. Obviously, Adam Frazier has been hitting the ball better as of lately. But I don't know how much you can trust that considering how long and how hard the struggle was. And he was really just a black hole. Nothing was happening out of that eight hole. I mean, he's a great, he's a utility dream play second base, uh, second base, can play corner outfield positions, play a little bit of short and a pinch, maybe a little bit of first base if it has to happen. But overall, Adam Frazier was not exactly or hasn't been what Jerry had hoped for considering he was coming off of an all-star season from Pittsburgh before he was traded to San Diego Padres and then we acquired him in the offseason for a top 30 prospect. Wow factor? Obviously, this is simple, ladies and gentlemen. It's Julio Rodriguez. Face of the franchise. J-Rod squad now on right center field. A truly generational talent. This is the kind of player, and this is what we had a problem with in the offseason last year, with guys that didn't want to come to Seattle and take our money because there's no one to play alongside of them. Well, this has all changed. The, the the perspective has changed, right? Because now free agents are looking at Julio Rodriguez, looking at Jesse Winker, looking at Robbie Ray, looking at Logan Gilbert, George George Kirby, and they're realizing that this team is being built for years to come, right? Right? Obviously, I still believe George Kirby will take the mantle as the number one pitcher for for the Mariners, but that's going to take a little bit of time. But overall, having that ability and that just—I don't want to call him a joker because he says he's—but I mean, it's just so rare of a man that big with that natural, great persona and personality and the smile that just lights up a room. And you saw at the All Star game, the players just want to be around Julio Rodriguez. And we haven't had a player like that really since Ken Griffey Jr. It wasn't A-Rod. A-Rod was just A-Rod. He didn't want to ingratiate himself with with other players. He was just there to do his thing. And overall, that's why we're so fortunate to have a player like Julio Rodriguez. I can't wait for tonight's ballgame. Super excited for that. A lot of trade talks lately have been about Juan Soto. Where is he going to go? Obviously, it's been a national discussion between the teams like the Mariners, the Padres, the Mets, Giants, and a couple other teams like the Dodgers or maybe, you know, the Yankees always get in this conversation, but they made it abundantly clear they're not trading Anthony Volpe or Jason, uh, their top two prospects overall. It's going to take a minimum of four top prospects to be in the conversation for Juan Soto, Nuelvi Marte, Edwin Arroyo, Emerson Hancock, Harry Ford, This is your starting point of the conversation. Obviously, this is a pretty hefty haul, but I mean, Juan Soto, excuse me, is a 23-year-old generational player. Just doesn't show up every single day. Uh, It's kind of a a touchy conversation for a lot of people because Juan Soto will be depleting uh, at least top half of your farm system for two and a half years of his overall club control, which is a fair amount of time to be back to the playoffs, possibly win a World Series. If you could, and I don't even know if this is possible because we're talking about John Stanton here, and John Stanton seems reluctant to spend money. But if you go and trade for Juan Soto, and if you don't lock him into an extension, two and a half years is a pretty tight timeline to make something happen, especially when you're depleting as many of your top prospects as you are to acquire him. Julio is also going to be needing an extension in the offseason. I'm imagining a probably an 8 to a 10-year deal, probably around $300-plus plus million at the minimum. A lot of people are saying that's a lot of money, but obviously when you look at players such as Juan Franco, I just talked about Juan Soto. Um, there's going to be other players coming on the pipeline. They're going to take a lot of money, and they're worth it because baseball players are in a lot of money because they play 162 games a season, and they're just different markets, quite frankly. So, I mean, I don't personally see the Mariners trading for Juan Soto. Would I be happy to see it happen? Sure, because you're pairing him and Julio in the outfield. But what I also understand if they weren't in that conversation and rather go for a guy like maybe a a Brian Reynolds from Pittsburgh or go out and get some additional pitching like I, I touched on earlier in the podcast. Yeah, I'd probably be down for that. But what it comes down to is what is Jerry comfortable with? How do they view their own prospects and how do they view the return on Juan Soto and able to build a team around that for the upcoming offseason. And they do have a lot of excess money. They're the, only, they're the 21st overall team in salary in baseball. They got a lot of money to spend. That's not the problem. But overall, that's kind of what's going to happen. So we'll see what happens with the Juan Soto. Names for, for trade targets for pitching, uh, primarily, obviously, Frankie Montes and Luis Castillo. I don't see the Castillo trade happening. They're just going to ask too much from, from Cincinnati. I'd rather go for a Frankie Montes. Um, I've been listening to some stuff on Locked On Mariners. Uh, Ty Dan Gonzalez, Colby Patenode. Shout out to those guys. They've been doing a great job with covering all these trade discussions and trade topics. But most likely for me, it definitely will be Frankie Montes. Just because of the uh, the haul to go out and get Frankie Montes versus Luis Castillo. The Reds are going to want a lot more. For Castillo versus Montes, I don't. I just view Montes as a better pitcher. Probably people will probably will, will disagree with me. Just due to the fact that Mont uh, Castillo is younger than Montes, but Montes has got better stuff, a little bit more polished. I could possibly see a trade package for Montes being like Edwin Arroyo, which to a lot of people is their number one overall prospect. To see their hammer and LV Marte. Marte, uh, Arroyo out of macko which is a left-handed pitcher. Uh, starting pitcher four or five pitch mix number 11 prospect goes from like 11 to 13 for most people for like our overall prospect system and then a couple lower a guys probably um like a steven colic or you know not like a brian Wu. brian Wu is probably like a little bit more of a toss in i'm probably saying names people aren't you know overly knowing of and i apologize for that but i'm trying to be more in-depth of coverage when it comes to our prospect system because obviously that's like the biggest pride and joy we have is our depth of prospects and how we can use those prospects uh, to benefit and grow this team and build it towards a perennial championship playoff team. Last thing for you guys today is going to be a little bit of an update on the Seattle Seahawks. All I have, unfortunately, it's a decent thing, but it's nothing uh, player-based, unfortunately. Seahawks have announced a, quote, Fanovation ovation stadium enhancements at Lumen Field are including city-side bars will now will offer premium field views. There's a new North video board, upper concourse concession upgrades, a new tunnel club premium hospitality area, and a Verizon lounge upgraded area as well. They do not have any up, uh, in, intimate or, like, I don't say intimate, but, like, intricate details. Of what these upgrades are or what they look like or any inside pictures or anything I've been looking on Twitter I haven't been able to find anything this was just released yesterday to the media once I have that I will put that up on the Facebook group sports in the Northwest and that's all I got for you guys today if you guys enjoyed the podcast and the overall uh, topics and conversation Please subscribe, leave a rating, and share the podcast. Once again, this podcast is available on all platforms. Free and available on all all platforms, I should say. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, Index, iHeartRadio. Thank you so much for listening, enjoying, and as I always hop out here with saying simply, and we got a big weekend this weekend, ladies and gentlemen. Let's pack the house. The electric factory is going to pump it up. See us rise.